J.M. in the A.M. 7.30 in the morning on this Friday, Erev Shabbos. Uh, well, we've uh, told you that this coming Sunday, 4.30 at the Met, there's a, a protest because the uh, Met has decided to go ahead with the run of the death of Klinghoffer. Uh, we mentioned this earlier in the week, and uh, I know there are many prominent organizations, many schools and synagogues and groups that are going to be there on Monday in the 4 o'clock hour to uh, protest the Mets' decision. Uh, Jeff Weisenfeld, who has been at the center of so many amazing causes over the years and has been a great friend of this radio program, is, uh, of course, helping to coordinate and is one of the people involved in the leadership for this coming Monday's protest, and he wants to see as many people as possible there in Manhattan this coming Monday. Jeff Weisenfeld, welcome back to JM in the AM. Hello, Nachum. Nice to be with you. I appreciate that. Well, uh, another good cause, and there you are at the forefront. Uh, why is it so vital for people from far and wide, Jews and non-Jews alike, to be there at Lincoln Center this coming Monday afternoon? First of all, you have to understand that this is perfidy against the Jewish people, against America, and it's a glorification of terrorism. You know, in the ni- around 1942, when the full length, breadth, and evil of the Holocaust became publicly known to some, Arthur Hayes Sulzberger, then publisher of the New York Times, made every effort to suppress the news of the mass murder of our our uncles, our aunts, our grandparents, and our extended families. Every effort. Now, if you, Nachum, God forbid, or I, God forbid, go out on the street today, and an anti-Semite punches one of us in the face, calls us a kike, I know what I would do, of course, I would beat the hell out of that person. You might be a little more polite, you might call the police, but it doesn't matter. It's low-level, low-grade, gutter anti-Semitism. Right. It's when anti-Semitism rises to the highest ranks of culture, as it did at the conclusion of the Weimar Republic, as it did in 1930s Germany, when it rises to a level where it's acceptable to the public to exhibit such a disgusting, perverse opera, then we should recognize that we're just steps away from real, serious problems, steps away from France, from Britain. We will not be far from there if this if this kind of activity continues gelb is uh he's a prevaricator he is uh he is a to me uh he is in the spirit of sulzberger he is a sulzberger jew he is reenacting this type of 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 uh purposeful denial to protect his his reputation and and uh the thing is that jews sometimes feel mistakenly that because they're in the boardroom Everything is great. It doesn't work that way. Life is not that way. In desperation to stop this protest, they have cross-checked at the opera the names of their major, major donors with their campaign contributions to elected officials. And they have called many elected officials, or had those donors call many elected officials. Those are the people who made a decision that the opera is more important to them then American society's uh, reputation for civility, tranquility, people basically more or less getting along most of the time. They have gone in into the trenches with Mr. Gelb, and they're calling these elected officials. We will have more than enough of these high-profile people with us, so I'm not concerned. 
I'm more appreciative, and our group, Paul, Dr. Paul Brody and, and Richard Allen and Helen Friedman and all of the, and Hillary Markowitz and all of these wonderful people who came together with us to produce this event and donors who came forward to underwrite buses and production of signs and stages, intelligent people like Leonard Weiss, a great patron of the opera, who gives large donations every year for many years. He says, my donation this year is going to underwrite at least 50 to 70% of the cost of this rally. Jeff Weisenfeld is with us live via telephone. Jeff, just give me a second. The rally coming up in the 4 o'clock hour on Monday. Do we have any idea in terms of response what to expect? Do you think thousands of people could actually be there at Lincoln Center on Monday? I actually more than believe that, and I'm telling you why, because the uh, provision of the buses and the, the request for the buses by various schools, uh, which guarantee a good number of students for an important teaching moment, at least as important as what they will learn in the classroom that particular day, Monday, and the number of organizations that have signed on, and frankly, the anger at groups that did not sign on and the desire to make a statement and say, if you're not there speaking for us, we will speak for ourselves. It is a crescendo of activity that I've never seen. You know, the, you know I was in the FBI from 1979 to 1985. Right. And you know the terminology they use, God forbid, when they, when they are concerned that there might be an imminent terrorist attack. They say there's a lot of chatter on the airwaves. Right. Well, in a positive way, let me tell you, because you know I have to make a living. I have to take care of my clients. I serve on a number of boards, so my days are long to begin with. I was in the office till 11:30 last night because the chatter is unbelievable. The the number of people uh, uh, communicating with each other on logistics, on times of arrival, and and yesterday we had to spend a half hour, if you can if you can believe it, on uh, where are people going to use bathrooms. We had to figure out which hotel. Uh, where in Lincoln Center should we get partisans? All of this kind of, I mean, <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, that's the happy thing that people are right. coming no, together no, because they feel something. No question about that. Jeff, we've been trying to get an answer to this, and I, I just don't know. I haven't done the research. Maybe you could help. Do we know what specifically is in the performance that is so objectionable? Do we know what's in the death of Klinghoffer, which has really, uh, uh had this, um, uh, effect on the uh, Jewish community? Yes, there, there, there are two elements to this. Uh, first of all, you must imagine, as I relate this to you, imagine substituting the identity of any other ethnic or religious group instead of Jews, and imagine uh, th this, this type of language uh, deployed against anyone else. It, it talks about uh, and I'm paraphrasing the best I can with at least 90% accuracy because I've recited it many times. Uh, you Jews pollute the environment where you are. You, would, you, uh, you pollute the virgin. Wherever there is misery, you will find Jews. You pillage, you get fat off other people's misery. And this is spoken by the Palestinian terrorists. Now, it's not one line. And Abe Foxman of ADL... Uh, has has uh, been terrible on this because number one, you know, ADL has made a lot of mistakes, but in this case, Foxman has said, as a for instance, well, I don't think it's anti-Semitic because it's being spoken by the terrorist, but the length of it, the gratuitous nature, the repetition of it, 
tells you it's anti-Semitism, but I'll tell you what really gives you that. If you listen to the music accompanying the libretto, the libretto is, is the prose in the opera. If you listen to the music, some of your listeners, you're going to laugh at me how silly I am, but when my favorite uh, TV show when I was young was Lost in Space. When the Robinson family was planting a hydroponic garden or engaged in some pleasant activity, the music was uplifting, upbeat. When the terrorists speak, excuse me, Lahabdil, it's like Jesus is speaking. It's heraldic. It's like the music that accompanied Moses when he went, when he went to, to up and down Mount Sinai. It's heraldic, heroic music. But when they start talking about Jews and Israelis, it's like the, it's like the appearance, the foreboding music that a monster is coming onto the scene in Lost in Space. Or it's like the sad music when the Jewish slave is, is beaten by the Egyptian soldier in the Ten Commandments. It's the juxtaposition of the anti-Semitic diatribes and the music that makes it clear that John Adams, the composer, is an anti-Semite, deploying anti-Semitism as a mode of this entertainment. And we should... And they know it, and they know it, and they know it. And we should point out that, uh, for the, I mean, did, we did this earlier in the week, but for those who don't know who Leon Klinghoffer was, in the 1985 hijacking of the Achille Loro, he was uh, murdered and then tossed overboard in his wheelchair, and uh, that, hence the title, The Death of Klinghoffer, and this reaction... Uh, out there. All right. Uh, logistically, uh, people need to know. Starts at 4:30 this coming Monday. Lincoln Center is Broadway and 65th Street. Right. They should arrive at four. I assure them, they will see dedicated, wonderful public people and organizational leaders who did make the step. Who did make the step to say no? This is a Rubicon. We cannot allow this to be crossed. We will be there because now gross. Horrific anti-Semitism has reached the highest level of our culture, and the opera does not belong to Peter Geld. The opera is a cultural treasure of New York that's being poisoned, and we're going to stop it. Will there be government officials, yes or no? Yes, there will. Thank you, Jeff. Have a by the former Attorney General of the United States, Judge Michael McKaysey. Wow. A wonderful, wonderful man. Wow, that's phenomenal. Uh, happy, healthy, sweet New Year to you, and thank you for joining us. You too. All the best. Jeff Weisenfeld, Monday is the protest rally. Uh, at the Met, 65th and Broadway, New York City, everybody is encouraged to be there. And um, when you hear the background, uh, the music analysis is uh, is one thing, and, and certainly point well taken. But when you hear the background of how how this came to be and uh, and what the mission is of this particular performance, it's just mind-boggling. J.M. and the A.M. at 19 minutes before 8 o'clock.